Hello, Mississippi and beyond. Welcome to another edition of the Justify Your Existence podcast, where we talk all things Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC. I am Parrish Alford, sports columnist with the Daily Journal. I'm joined by our Ole Miss beat writer, Michael Katz. Uh, Theo DeRosa is normally in this spot as well. He is on assignment. Michael, that just sounds good, doesn't it? Theo's on assignment, man. He's out uh, working hard and, and doing big things. I, I forget where he said he was going, but he couldn't be here today. How are you? I'm good. I mean, better him than me outside in the cold right now. I, I've been telling people I, I lived in Wyoming for two years, and I like I was used to the cold weather. Um, I've softened up in my year here, and, and my California roots have started to come back out. It, it, it's cold right now, man, and it's it's about to be very cold where I'm going in Fayetteville. So uh, I'm okay staying inside as long as I can these days. Well, I know it's going to be colder in Fayetteville, and I've heard that all week. I know uh, Lane Kiffin talked about that in his press conference a little bit, but it didn't really strike me how cold uh, they are projecting for Fayetteville until I was at the gym this morning, and I, I looked up at the TV uh, while I was on the uh, elliptical there, and and I saw the projected forecast uh, for Fayetteville, and they have it in the 20s and dropping in the second half. And that's that's pretty cold. Uh, so do you think that affects Ole Miss anyway? I mean, I mean, in theory, I think Arkansas would probably be a little more adjusted to the cold uh, up there in the Ozarks. But even then, I, I don't think they get it a whole lot. I think they get it a few games a year. But uh, do you think that has a negative impact on Ole Miss in this game? Not necessarily. I think Ole Miss is, I mean, they want to run the ball, and I think that's good run the ball weather. I think it's going to make the ball really hard to catch, and it, it makes the ball itself hard and, and slick and all of those sorts of things. Uh, but I think for, for two teams that want to be running the ball anyway, and when you've got Judkins and, and Rocket Sanders uh, for each team, uh, I, I think I think if anything – uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be sleeves weather, and we're going to figure out which guys are tough guys because you know there's going to be some guys that refuse to wear sleeves. Uh, it does not sound like Lane Kiffin will be one of them. He admits that he does not like cold weather. I I'm I'm with him on that. Uh, no, I I, I don't think it uh, necessarily favors either team. Yeah, Lane was all dressed up for the cold on the sideline last week. Man, he had all that uh, had his cold gear going. It is uh, the last game before the Egg Bowl, and uh, in Mississippi State's final game, Michael, I just see a, a real advantage here. I know you would rather, you'd rather play the game at home, so the Egg Bowl will be in Oxford, so advantage Ole Miss, they'll have their, their home field there, but in this week before the Egg Bowl, you have the Rebels going to a very difficult place to play for them, and, and for most people, but Ole Miss is 2-12, uh, and 12. Uh, in all games they've played in Fayetteville. So a difficult road trip, a night game, a cold game, followed by travel and a short week. Mississippi State is at home against an FCS opponent, East Tennessee State, in a morning kick. Um, I think State's got a, a real advantage there. I'm sure they've done a little bit of a, a twofer in terms of preparation this week and looked at Ole Miss uh, a little bit. But uh, – where do you land on SEC teams playing this FCS game? I mean, it might be a thing of the past if the league goes to that nine conference game schedule as expected. But what's uh, what's your take on on these games? 
I, I, I think there's two schools of thought here. It's one that, uh, you know, it is sort of a, a, a breather of sorts. It, it's like glorified practice. You, like the outcome of the game is generally not going to be uh, in the air for those sorts of games. You get guys get a lot of reps. You're not really sweating about it. And like you said, you can sort of two for game plan if that's what you decide to do. But the other thing is, you know, the other, I guess the other school of thought is, uh, you know, you don't have to, there is this sort of idea that, you know, if, if you're playing a, a team that you're not really like excited for, or is it necessarily one that you're, um, you know, sort of all in on, uh, you know, injuries are sometimes happen when, when things, when you're not prepping and you're not focused, um, and then I think when you've got the game that's coming up the next week, uh, I do think there is something to be said for already being focused on on the team you're facing this week and, and just going straight to the next one and not uh, looking ahead or not having to sort of get back up. Uh, you know, I, I in a perfect world, would Ole Miss be playing at home this week? Yeah, absolutely. And, and would it be somebody maybe a little bit less uh, difficult uh, than Arkansas? Yeah, but I, I do think – in terms of 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 not having to um, you know get themselves mentally prepared uh, for you know after having a sort of week off, I I do think it does kind of sort of help of 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 just keeping the competitive juices flowing and um, uh, I you know the thing you worry about is if you if you do lose does it carry over into the next one and all those sorts of things? But I don't know. I've always thought of rivalry games as being very independent of everything else anyway. Um, so I, I don't know if, if what happens on Saturday in Fayetteville is necessarily going to impact uh, what happens on Thursday anyway. So rhythm, you think rhythm uh, is, is important. I haven't thought about it that way. I, I'm not really opposed to the FCS games. I like, the idea that teams can dial back a little bit. I think the SEC schedule is very physical and demanding. Uh, the the buzzword that we hear from players is grind. You know, we hear about the grind. I, th I think that's that's real. So uh, I don't I don't mind that game on the schedule for that reason. Uh, it's not something I look forward to in terms of of covering the game because it's just you know it's just that kind of game. But I do like it. Uh, you know, because of the players can dial back a little bit. I also like it because it's an opportunity for uh, just more tickets to be available and maybe some families and kids that don't get to go to a lot of games uh, kind of find their way to this one. You know, if uh, if the school is going to do a, a, a giveaway or try to uh, honor a lot of people or get more people to the game. So this, this one kind of lends itself to that uh, as well. I know you haven't seen uh, – Mississippi State for a full game, but you're, you're coming up on your second Egg Bowl. Have, have you seen enough of the Bulldogs to have any impressions before uh, before we get to our busy short week? I've I've seen enough to know that I don't think I know much about them. Like that's just sort of like <clears throat> I feel like this was kind of the case last year where you think you get a good read on them and it looks like they're trending one way, and then like some things happen and and it, it starts to look the other way. Um, they, they, they've been a little, little bit confounding uh, just in terms of, of what you're going to get on a weekly basis. And I think part of that is when you start playing the tougher teams, that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, th there were times when I think we've like a lot of people thought that 
you know, everything had found its rhythm there and everything was going pretty smooth offensively. And then you get some games where it doesn't look that way. And so uh, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> it, it's, it, it's been hard to get a read on them. And, and I don't, I don't think that's just me, uh, but it's, 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 you know, it's, I, I feel like I still don't know much about them and we're almost 10 games. We're 10 games in. Well, I think that's a, that's a good take. Uh, they were really executing that offense at a high level uh, on those back-to-back SEC home wins against Texas A&M and Arkansas. And that was before Texas A&M really became uh, the mess that they are now. Uh, Arkansas didn't have K.J. Jefferson in that game. He's had some injuries. He didn't play last week. He is expected to play this week against Ole Miss. But had he played in that game in Stark, well, it wouldn't have mattered because uh, they just really were dominating that Arkansas defense. And and now you see a team, and yes, uh, the schedule transitions a little bit. Uh, You get more into uh, the meat of conference play. But this Mississippi State team has scored only one offensive touchdown in three of its last four SEC games, the outlier there was uh, the Auburn game, 39 to 33 in overtime, four touchdowns there. But even in that game, they had uh, a long dry spell in the second, third, and early fourth quarters where they weren't execution, where, where they weren't executing and were giving the ball back to Auburn a good bit. So anyway, uh, you know, none of that usually matters by the time the Egg Bowl comes around. It's uh, usually uh, somewhat uh, surprising. So uh, that's short week, man, after, uh, after your late night and travel back from Fayetteville. Tell me about Fayetteville. How do you think this game plays out for Ole Miss? I I have gone back and forth on it just because uh, you brought up historically, it doesn't always go well there. But I felt the same way with, <clears throat> with Texas A&M this, you know, a, a few weeks ago, the place they have not traditionally done very well at. Um, I, I, I think Ole Miss did a really good job of bouncing back the last time. They lost the game, you know, winning at AM. And I know again, AM is not the AM we thought it might be, but it's still a really hard place to win. Uh, and with a with a lot of talent. Um I, I think Ole Miss bounces back. I think it'll be close. And as you know, Ole Miss Arkansas is always very weird. Uh, but uh, you know, if it's not a fourth and twenty-five, it's a two-point conversion. Uh, you know, failed at the end of regulation with no time on the clock like last year. And it just always seems like there's something. Uh, but I, I think Ole Miss wins. I, I, I think that, um, I think the big thing is that the, I know both defenses have had their moments where they've lo- not looked great, but Arkansas's past defense has, has been pretty bad this year. And it, and it was better last week. They did a nice job against LSU. Um, but if you just sort of look at <clears throat> how it's been all year, it, it's been pretty bad. And that sort of, uh, you know, I, I know Jackson Darden and the Ole Miss passing game has had its, you know, ups and downs. But when they've gone against the subpar pass defenses, they've done really well. And so um, I, I think it's I think it's going to be a good day for the offenses. Again, it's going to be cold. It's going to be all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, 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 I thought I didn't know much about Ole Miss. And then after the LSU A&M and even the Alabama game, I, I think I learned that, like, I know. I think this team has guts, and I think that um, I, I think they get it done. I think they really. I know it's there's a lot of 
coach speak and players speak when they say that we still have a lot left to play for. But I really do think they think that there's still a lot, a lot to play for. And, you know, there is. They can win 11 games for the first time ever. They can have their second ever 10-win regular season. They can make it to another major bowl game. Uh, yeah, losing Alabama last week was brutal, especially the way it happened. But this strikes me as kind of a bounce-back team. Hey, that fourth and 25 there uh, against Arkansas in – uh, 2015 in Oxford, I was standing there at the end in the south end zone, and and I, I saw the ball bounce. I saw the running back pick it up. I, I, you could just see that the defense is all on one side of the field. Uh, you you could see that coming, and I just thought, man, there's no way. There's no way. You, you teams that convert that play don't lose, you know. So that that, that it was, you know, in my mind, it was over at that point. Ah. Uh, and there have been so many other weird games uh, in this series, you know, Ole Miss at home, uh, you know, a couple of years later, uh, leading 31 to 10 in the third quarter and not winning. Uh, just really, really some strange games. But you mentioned that two-point conversion. And, you know, who would have thought that uh, a defensive play would decide it in a 52 to 51 game? But I've watched that play many times, man. And I, I know that, you, you want to block as many people as you can block and you scheme this from that, but how do you leave Sam Williams untouched, even as the backside defensive end, but that's what Arkansas did. And he gets over there, man, and, and applies pressure. All right. And it wasn't only Sam Williams with KJ Jefferson rolling right on that play. KD Hill got in there and it was like his man blocked down and he came untouched. So you had a, you had an, uh, a faux pas there uh, on the line, and you didn't block Sam Williams, and Ole Miss got good pressure, and uh, Jefferson threw it uh, high and you know out of the back of the end zone. So it was quite a quite a finish last year. But uh, we got Ole Miss and Arkansas, then we got the Egg Bowl. Will it be Lane Kiffin's last Egg Bowl? Uh, these Auburn rumors, man, they just seem like they, they hit another level this week, at least in terms of uh, – what I was hearing, what people were asking me about. Uh, uh, what's what's your take on, on what you're hearing there with Lane Kiffin and Auburn? I don't think anybody knows anything right now, and I think that to think otherwise is, is very bold. Uh, one, I don't think that, like, this is the exact time that this sort of thing would happen if it was happening. I think it would happen next week or next weekend or whatever it is. Uh, you know, coaches are wired a little bit differently. They are focused on on their teams right now and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I don't know. It, it's I've, I've had a lot of and like like you said, a lot of people asking me about it. And um, I, I've always the way I, I I've said it is this. I you know, if anybody thinks they know what's going to happen, they don't um, because you know Lane Kiffin is a wild card. He always has been, and that's that's just. You know, he's going to play it close to the vest and you never necessarily know what way he's leaning on something. Um, but I, I think the I, I've I've sort of always thought that, um, you know, it would never be like it wouldn't be surprising to see him leave for a job at some point. Um, I think everybody realizes that, that that's a possibility. But I think fit is really big. Uh, and I just, I know there's a lot of optics with Auburn that make it 
uh, you know, the quote unquote right fit with their facilities and NIL and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, but there's a lot of politics at play at Auburn. And, um, you know, if you look at the leash, their last couple coaches have had, it's not been very long. Uh, you know, Gus Malzahn got hired, got fired after a pretty good season. Brian Harson got less than two years. And obviously there were some other factors uh, with Harson with some offseason stuff that may or may not have played into it and got the ball rolling. But, uh, you know, there, there's, there are a lot of people in your ear at Auburn in terms of decision-making and, and that sort of stuff. And um, that's just never struck me as, as, as something that, you know, most coaches are a fan of, and particularly not Lane. I think Lane probably wants to be able to run a program his way, and he has that ability to do that here for the most part. I think he gets left alone, and it's it's flourished that way. I don't know if he's going to get that sort of opportunity at Auburn to, to sort of uh, not have a lot of people in his ear about a lot of different things. And uh, I do think that matters. And I know money is another thing, too. Uh, I, I think Ole Miss wants to keep him here really, really badly. I think they're going to match. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, uh, there, there's, there's, uh, I, I, I think losing him is, 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 I think everybody associated with the, the university is trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. I know the four-year contract thing has, has been brought up too, uh, that Mississippi can only give four-year contracts, but if you think about it, it just gets renewed every year. It just gets renewed every year anyway. That's a talking point for people outside the state. Man. Yeah. You, you get the year added on every year. You get all that. So it, it's yeah. that's what it is. And, you know, you know, I just uh, money, a million here, a million there. And, and pretty soon you're talking about real money. I, I just don't think money is going to be the issue. Now, uh, it is interesting, though. I, I know Ole Miss will rally the troops and, and increase his salary and his assistance pool and all that. Uh, have you been asked to take a pay cut there for the sports writing class that you're going to teach? Have they come to you and said, Michael, look, uh, we, we, we know you've just come on board and, and and we think you have a bright future here. And we're really excited about uh, this sports writer track and our, our journal journalism program. But, you know, could, could you take a little bit less, you know, we're, we're trying to keep the football coach. Could, could you, have, have y'all had that conversation? Uh, I, you know, I, it, it, it has not come up yet, but, uh, it, it might be coming. And, and, and if, if, if it does, uh, justify your existence, we'll be the first to know. We will break it here. We will have it here on justify your existence. Look, uh, you bring it up, uh, the, the booster involvement, uh, at, at Auburn. It's just, I, I just can't imagine that, that Lane, uh, all coaches are control freaks by nature. We, we know that, but I think, Lane kind of takes that to a different level. And I think he he has that autonomy here at Ole Miss that you're talking about. And he's done well with it. He's managed it. He's winning games. Uh, we don't see his players getting in trouble. We see, you know, that so all of that plays into it. And there are so many fingers in the pie at Auburn. I thought one of the interesting quotes to come out of uh the John Cohen hiring as AD over there. Uh, and this was uh, one of the tweets in the news cycle. I believe it was from Ross Dellinger, maybe someone else. But uh, uh, the report was that John Cohen was told that he could run his own program. Why is that even a discussion? I mean, what AD in his right mind would think, well, you know what? I'm excited to take this job and share this responsibility with uh, three or four other people. Why is, is that even discussed? Hey, you come here. 
you can run your own program. I mean, that that just to me, that just underscores everything that we have heard about Auburn for so many years. And okay, let's say you are told that. Say the administration tells you that and they told it to the new AD and you're the new football coach coming in and and uh and and you hear, hey, you know what? You're the guy. Complete autonomy. You're going to run this football program. We believe in you. Okay. You believe it? I mean, there's a whole history to you know, to the contrary. I mean, are, are you willing to go there on, on the on what they say? Uh, you know, is, is that enough for you? Is that solid? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, history can sometimes be, a, you know, a, a, a reasonable method to predict the future. And uh, I just I don't see Lane being the fit. I don't think Lane Kiffin aspires to be coach at Auburn. Okay, they can give him salary. Maybe they can give him a little more NIL. I think NIL is growing at Ole Miss. We see that with uh, the Grove Collective. All right. But um, I don't think he aspires to Auburn. I think maybe he aspires to Alabama. And, you know, maybe if some other big jobs come open, maybe an Ohio State, a Texas, I mean, something like that. Uh, I think he would be interested in those, but I don't think – he has to go somewhere else from Ole Miss to get a job like that. I don't think he has to go to Auburn uh, to become the coach at Alabama, which is a discussion in and of itself. If you are the coach at Auburn, does that enhance your chances to become the coach at Alabama, or does it uh, take them the other direction? I mean, there's a lot of politics involved in that, and I don't think that's a question that you can answer on the front end. I think you've got to get into that relationship and play a few games and then have some hurt feelings and then see, you know, <laughs> how it goes from there. Uh, but uh, just, I just don't see Auburn as, uh, as a good fit for Lane Kiffin. Uh, I don't think Lane stays at Ole Miss uh, forever. He's not put down roots anywhere he's been. He's been a wanderer, a nomad. Uh, you know, there's no reason to think that, uh, Ole Miss becomes his destination, but I don't think Auburn is the fit. And all that being said, I think there's still a reasonable chance that we could be chasing the Lane Kiffin story the day after the Egg Bowl because you never know. Because when it comes to this kind of thing, you absolutely do not know what's going on, what's going through uh, a coach's mind, and uh, and how things play out like that. So anyway, we'll see about uh, Lane Kiffin and Auburn, but uh, – I, I take it that you have no uh, – there's no hard news to add on this, is there? Nope. And, and uh, you know, I keep refreshing my Twitter to see what's being said, and that can be a dangerous thing uh, because it's a lot of rumors and a lot of people just throwing things out there, especially with, uh, you know, twi uh, Twitter had its moment a couple – you know, last week when everybody was getting verified uh, because you could pay for it. Uh, so now there's a lot of blue check marks throwing things out there from uh, – you know, maybe not necessarily having the sources uh, that you think blue check marks would have. So uh, there's there, there's going to be a lot being said over the next couple of weeks, and and I get it, but uh, I, I don't think anybody knows for sure what's going on right now. Well, the best way to know what's going to happen beyond the shadow of a doubt is to follow Lane Kiffin on Twitter and try to interpret what he says through Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Never, never, yeah, ne never any, uh, never any subliminal messaging, never anything weird or cryptic with him at all. Um, Michael, we watched uh, Ole Miss and Alabama last week, and and 
and saw some calls, saw some non-calls that uh, that affected the game, and I know certainly created a lot of conversation after the game. Um, I'm very slow to come out and write about officiating because I think there are too many other ways that a team can win the game uh, during the course of play. And I thought that was the case for Ole Miss last week. I, I thought the biggest play of the game was the Zach Evans fumble uh, at the end of the first half where you go from, you know, a 17 to seven uh, halftime lead to all of a sudden 17 to 14. And then you're kicking to them in the third quarter and they go down and get a field goal. So that's a 10 point swing in the game. Um, and, and other opportunities, there were other missed opportunities, just times in the red zone where Ole Miss did not uh, execute on offense as, as well as it needed to to win the game. That said, there were some uh, egregious calls and no calls in the game. Um, what was your take on on the officiating? Yeah, I mean, I've never been the type to to say that officiating is is the absolute reason a, a game goes a certain way. I mean, there are exceptions, but, uh, you know, like you said, there were a lot of different opportunities that, that that could have happened, but that doesn't, you know, mean that there weren't some really bad calls. I mean, there were some, you know, the, the video that went viral, there were a couple, um, but there was the one of, of, of Jackson Dart on the ground and his head getting slammed like twice in a row. Um, and then uh, there was a really bad pass interference call that wasn't called. There was the Jordan Watkins block uh, that was called, even though he just sort of got run over. Uh, <laughs> and they told him that, like, his hands were in the wrong place or something. Um, and even the Zach Evans play was was a targeting. Uh, you know, Evans got knocked out of the game after that. Uh, there's there's a reason that happened. And so, you know, it's it wasn't great, uh, and I know officiating is always a talking point for for close games, and especially, uh, you know, it's like every team always thinks that you know officiating is worse against their team and all that stuff. But uh, you know, there, there there were some really bad calls, but if nothing else, it gave us another great uh, Lane Kiffin quote when I asked him uh, about the officiating, and and he said that uh, you know Jackson Dart's mom told him that it was a shame that. You know, not all, uh, you know, players get protected the same way. And then somebody started to ask another question and he interrupted the person and said, I just want to make sure that you know that she said that it wasn't me. I don't want to get fined. You can't find me for what someone else says. Uh, so that was that was a, a perfect it was it was it was the perfect Lane Kiffin twist on that. Um, but, you know, he was retweeting a lot of the, the, the questionable hits and all that, that sort of stuff. There were some really bad ones. I don't know if it necessarily is the reason Ole Miss lost, but it certainly didn't help. Well, and and then later in the night uh, on Saturday, you had Mike Leach at Mississippi State complaining about the officiating, walking off the field in what was then a 17-12 to 12 game at halftime against number one Georgia. And, of course, then in the – in the Mike Leach way, uh, after the game, uh, he commented on the officiating by really not commenting. It's like, well, I can't comment on that, but uh, you know, it, but would have some kind of uh, uh, some kind of uh, offbeat uh, take to add to it. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, you knew where he stood on the subject. I know he addressed it uh, uh, further on the SEC teleconference on Wednesday. But when you put the two of those together, you know, I just thought it was a bad look for the SEC. I mean, it had the look of uh of we're protecting our brands 
You know, when you have uh, Alabama and Georgia on your two major networks, uh, CBS and, and then ESPN, and, and that's the level of officiating that you have. Uh, I didn't think it was a good look for the conference. So. No, yeah. I mean, when, when, when I know that social media sort of magnifies things when you just see the videos over and over again, but, but some of those, those calls in the Ole Miss Alabama game were, were egregious, I think is the word. I mean, they were, uh, you, you, you cannot, if, if safety is your, what you're preaching and protecting players, uh, you can't have Jackson Dart on the ground and have his head slammed twice and then not do something about it. That's just, it's unacceptable. Well, and then there was the uh, Dart's helmet getting ripped off on the face mask. Mm-hmm. His head got turned around like an owl. You could say, <laughs> you could say yes, uh, of course, it's hard to miss that. You you, ha- you know, so that one gets called and Ole Miss gets the penalty and they go on and score. They finish the drive. But watching that replay, uh, that uh, Alabama defensive end, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, it's almost like uh, he had the face mask and he had it for a long time. It And it had the look of, I've got it and I'm going to get penalized, so I'm going to double down. And I, I don't know that that's what happened. I don't even want to assume that that's what happened. But I think it goes through your mind because you see players all the time grab a face mask and it's like, oh, my, you know, and then, you know, hands back and, and that sort of thing. But to uh, – to have the face mask as long as he appeared to have it in the video uh, and to just see uh, Dart's head spun around, as you mentioned, and the helmet ripped off. And, you know, it, it just runs counter to so many plays I've seen this year when there's been, you know, the protection for quarterbacks has been like over the top. And uh, we've seen uh, roughing the passer calls when the guy's barely been touched and then just, and it was just very uh, counter to what we've seen on protecting quarterbacks this year. And and then, you know, the head to the turf, uh, you know, uh, on a separate uh, separate play, you know, it just uh, – it was a bad look. It was a bad look uh, for the SEC and its officiating. Folks, that will wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC. For Michael Katz, I am Parrish Alford, and thanks for being with us.